Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Great to have your company once again on the Match Day edition of the Gagan Pod. We talk all things Champions League on this particular episode. In the last one, we asked the question, was Kylian Mbappe the best player right now on the planet? Not sure it's that obvious because Erling Braut Haaland had an absolute stormer of a game away against Sevilla. We'll chat Dortmund's victory and also Cristiano Ronaldo and Juventus. Well, their trip to Portugal, the homecoming for the legend himself, didn't exactly go to plan. We'll talk through that. Two fixtures pretty well set before the second leg. We'll also look ahead to the Europa League and the weekend of Premier League, where again, it's all class for Manchester City. Yeah, great to have you company as always on the Match Day Edition. I'm Richard Bayless. We're joined by Optus's sports editor, Dave Wiener, former Socceroo, John Aloisi, and ex-Champions League semi-finalist amongst a whole heap of other things he's done in his career that we can't mention on the podcast, Michael Bridges. More from him shortly. Uh, Dave, did you enjoy the second of the days of the Champions League knockouts? Yeah, it was looking like uh, we we're going to have two um, big results in terms of being hard to turn around the second leg and then laid on comebacks that make it very interestingly poised going into the return leg. So a great couple of days action. Yep, we'll talk about Sevilla and Dortmund in a little while. But John, let's start with obviously Juve's trip to Porto. They didn't start well in the first half. They didn't start well in the second half, but somehow the tie is very much alive for them still. 2-1 they went down. Yeah, I thought they were lucky to come away with a 2-1 result, a big away goal, making it so tight for the the return leg. But um, they were poor this morning, Juventus. I thought they obviously started badly in trying to play out and got caught. uh, But uh, then again in the second half, uh, a slow start, conceded again until Morata came on. Morata made a big difference, and you saw that as soon as he came on, he was able to hold the ball up, actually allow the pressure of uh, the Juventus players to actually subside a little bit and... uh, in the end, I thought that uh, you know that they got their, that goal that they they didn't deserve, but they they did in the end get that one, and then they should have had a penalty right at the end, Bridgie. Yeah, Ronaldo's gone down. I think there's contact, definitely a penalty for me, John. Yeah, well, so they went behind to Remy in the first what ninety seconds, basically a back pass from Ben Tanker, and then the start of the second half, Musa Morega made it two nil. We'll talk about that penalty in a moment, but how do you excuse Bridgie as professional players? particularly for Italian clubs that, you know, maybe traditionally, stereotypically are a little bit more, how would you say it? Hard to break down. Well, they're just going to a game with the right Maybe a little bit more focused, right? So how do you explain coming out of both halves not being? Um, For an Italian team, I can't, Rich. Um, All I can look at is when I used to travel in the Europa League and in the Champions League, sometimes you would get it so wrong in the organisation of the travel Sometimes the hotels would make it hard for you and everything would just felt disjointed. This this looked like they were just underdone and they, they didn't have the right attitude. They got bullied off Porto. So I think it was more of a, the coaching staff will analyse the travel and everything and the food and 
I think it was more of a mental thing. They've turned up there. They got bullied off the park. Portal kicked them early on. They were well organised. And for me, they've gone out there. They, I think the warm-up told, told everything. We watched the highlights before the game. And the camera was behind the goal. And every Juve player missed the goal. And even Ronaldo had a like a... A bit of an, not an arrogant smirk, but like, what is going on here? We he look, was exasperated. He was, he was, he was shattered. And that, for me, shows the mentality of them going into that game. They didn't take it serious. You know, it's funny. Yourself and John, as former professional footballers, you would have looked at that and gone, this is disgrace. It's not good enough. The warm-up, they're missing everything. They're not up for it. Dave and I are sitting there watching it going, this makes us feel great because <laughs> we could do exactly what they're doing. Uh, it uh, reminded me of pretty much what happens when I go down to the park and think, I'm going to put this one in from 30 yards and I have to go into the car park to go find it. But I was actually, that was amazing footage and actually uh, what I want to ask you guys is like when you're in that moment as a player, are you watching that feeling, oh, like we're in a bit of a rut here because ultimately the other thing is, is Porto came out all guns blazing and cashed in on that. Look, sometimes when uh, in the warm up, when you're missing the target like they were today, uh, you know, I used to feel, oh, yeah, I've done this before and I've actually scored and I've, I've had a good game. So th- that wouldn't have actually played on my mind so much. When it did play on my mind, and Bridgie, you would have had this, is it during the warm-up that your legs, you feel heavy and you go, I don't feel good today. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to go in the game. And I think that's the more worrying time when you feel like that and you don't feel 100%. Is like you, you, you're going, oh, this is going to be a long day. Yeah, I've, I've definitely had warm-ups where I've scored a Every shot I have taken in the warm-up and going into the game, the number has gone up after 50 minutes to say you were subbed because you were crap. <laughs> so take from that what you will. But like John says, if you didn't get your, I call it a second wind, yeah. and you're doing the warm-up and you just feel like you can't break your stride and you're not feeling right, that was when I was going in thinking, what have I done wrong? Have I eaten something wrong? Have I, have I not... You know, address myself correctly going into the game. Well, there's every chance of that. Have I not slept correctly? <laughs> Something like that. Everything goes through and it puts you off your game. But what I noticed that the that they they were bad for sixty odd minutes. Yeah. But as soon as Murata went on, I just felt that uh, they had energy again. So you know, one little difference, and I don't know if you remember Roy Keane mentioning in his book that uh, sometimes when you are feeling like that, all it takes is a tackle or mm. a bit of a scuffle to get that energy back and to get life into your legs. And it, it happened with Morata. As soon as he went on, the team changed. So Chiesa pulled one back, two one at finish, but it could have been very different. And you guys sort of alluded to it before. Cristiano Ronaldo goes down deep into stoppage time. Obviously, VAR is looking at it in the background, but the referee blows full-time a minute or so later. On the replays, you guys are all of the opinion that it's just a penalty. So what on earth happened, Dave? No, well, I actually, watching it as we walked on set, I was looking at it and going, oh, the referee's blown full-time. And the incident's happened after the full-time whistle. And, and as I've looked at the, the post-match reaction afterwards, it's a stonewall penalty. It's, it's, a, it's a stonewall penalty. I, I just, for the life of me, can't understand how VAR didn't intervene. When you think... The Barcelona game, De Jong has gone down. There was minimal contact. He looks like he's tripped himself up and that penalty is given. No wonder Ronaldo was so animated after the game and disgusted at the referee. He had every right because that, for me, is a stone-cold penalty. And I don't I don't understand the people that are in VAR, what they are looking at on that. I, don't, I cannot understand it. I like the fact that post-game Ronaldo, he is obviously hard on his sleeve, he's emotional, he was getting his point across, but Pirlo, John, was the complete opposite, and I don't know if it's a good thing. I mean, maybe 
him being calm is. But Bridgie made the point that the fact that Pirlo didn't really seem to care, is that him just moving on, accepting the decision? Because he was kind of asking the ref, like, what was that? Okay, cool. Yeah, look, it, it's hard to say in hindsight or when the team doesn't win, you, you, you say, oh, he needs to show a bit more emotion. When they're doing well, oh, look how good he is because he doesn't show emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that with Ancelotti a little bit, that Ancelotti's just that calm factor. Players like that and players like that, they don't feel pressure. Mm-hmm. But then other players need someone to be on the sideline, living it with them. And uh, so I, I, I won't read into that too much about uh, Pilo. He did ask the referee. He probably got an answer that he didn't agree with. It just and accepted it and moved on because he can't change anything yeah. after the game. You know what I would want from that situation? I would want to walk in with the referee to go into the VR and just to be able to sit down and say to them, what have you seen there? Can you explain that to me without getting you know animated? Or they've got to come out and explain it on the TV afterwards. What have, what have they seen? Was that not one of the ones where it's... In strictest VR terms applied correctly, the VR has gone, that is not a howler. But in, in, the, in the modern interpretation of VR, isn't it that the referees are allowed to come to the sideline to say, listen, I think you might want to have a look at this. So everybody's critical of VAR rightly. I would think in the pre-VAR age, people would go, oh, that maybe should have been a penalty, but they'd move on. Mm. Evidently, they'd move on, and that's part of the game, and I think that's what everybody misses, the fact that mistakes just happen, but now mistakes, there's a zero tolerance because it's, well, you've got the video. You have to get it right, Mm. and it just, the fact we're talking about it is frustrating enough. You know, we should just be talking about. Well, it's two one wins to Porto. Yeah, that's uh, a bit of a contentious decision, but we'll move on. on. By the way, speaking of you mentioned before, Perlo being calm and players needing that. (laughs) I think the Porto players must relish playing for Conceição because. You know, in in the Champions League, in the group stages, they'd gone five games without conceding, but generally were happy to sort of absorb pressure a little bit. But that he clearly saw something that he could go at for Juve because the way they started both halves, it was we're going and we're going hard, and they cashed in and put pressure on them. Yeah, look, they would have done their homework. Uh, Juventus under Pirlo especially like to play out, and a lot of the time it, it's under a, a full press. It, 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 they don't mind doing that. And uh, and you saw Porto, they were well set up. They knew what they were doing in terms of their press. They knew where they could win the ball back in good areas, and uh, they ended up scoring from it. But then after, they also won the ball back in good areas. And then when they had to retreat and defend in that low block, they did it really well. They made sure there wasn't any space for the likes of Ronaldo. Ronaldo did really have a chance we're talking about his penalty but that's all he probably did today he mm. didn't do that much but to give credit to Porto because they were very well structured defensively big time and they take a 2-1 advantage to Turin in a couple of weeks time and their defensive record in this competition would make you think it'll be hard for Juve but they're certainly not out of it an even tie is what I'm getting at now elsewhere in the other match this morning Bridgie Erling Brout Harland scored a couple he arguably set the other one up in a 3-2 victory for Dortmund over Sevilla. This is a guy that you knew when he was, what, about 30 centimetres high. Are you as blown away by us and everybody else by just how much of a remarkable footballer and athlete he is? Just well, just on air, Bridgie, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're taking credit for Harlan being <laughs> the player he is. How, how, how are you taking credit for that? John, I'm going to have to explain it again then. <laughs> if it, you know, for, the, for the listeners, Alfie was at Leeds United with me. His son was in the players' lounge and I'd talk to his son and explain my game and tell him what I was doing and just say, you know, if you watch me and emulate what I do, son, you'll have a great career. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, he surpassed it by a long way. So, so what you're saying is we should predict early promise. Well, we've seen that and then a career riddled by injury. Is that what we're going to get from I Harland? I am not wishing that on this kid. No, definitely not. But you're correct about my life, yes. Um, but 
going going at the game, this guy was magnificent. You know, we we saw Messi and we saw Mbappe. Mbappe stole the show. Today we've seen Holland and Ronaldo play. Holland has stolen the show. Um, I'm not going to start a, a social media frenzy, but it could be the turning of the guard with these. It, it's good to know that there is two special players it's coming it, yeah. through. I've had the luxury, as you guys have, to see two of the world's greatest players play at the same time. Do guards turn or do they change? They change. <laughs> they, well, hang on, unless they're in London they're, they're, they're with the Busby hats protecting the palace, they do turn and they turn on you very quickly if you're getting pictures taken. The I just think it's incredible because now we're going to have two more players that are going to try and emulate them. Well, the, the manner of the goals this morning, his build-up play, the way he wins the ball, he takes players on, he holds it up, he runs at defences, and that second goal in particular, John, he just ran at Sevilla's defenders, and they didn't know what to do. They just retreated, and he played an amazing one-two with Sancho and a perfect finish too. Yeah, it was. And uh, what I like about him is that he's the all-round package for a number nine. You know, we talk about Lewandowski being that complete nine. Well, this kid has got everything, and he's got more pace and athleticism, and uh, it's virtually impossible to stop him. And that's why they retreated, because they're scared of him. They, they actually think, well, you know what? That we don't want to get beaten in behind, or if he knocks the ball past us, he's going to take us out and take us on. So I think that's the reason why because Sevilla only conceded one goal in their last nine games. Defensively, they're very good. But uh, Haaland made them look ordinary this morning. And that that third goal that that he scored, his second, reminded me of just his run and his movement is that I'm always going to try and get in a position where I can finish first time. Because uh, and that's a sign of a top striker. Batistuta was very good at it when he was at Fiorentina. He was probably the best that I saw in terms of coming through that. In it, majority of his goals were first time finishes. Haaland's got that in his game. What he created today on the sideline, Dave, was Julian Lopetegui, the manager of Sevilla. We showed it on our post game coverage. It's on the Optusport app if you want to see it. The roller coaster of emotions for this guy. He's been through the ringer anyway. He's had his success recently, and in that ninety minutes, just encapsulated what it's like being a manager when you're not trying to hide how you feel. And everyone can hear it too. And and certainly he was a there was a few choice words for the defensive structure, which has been so good over the last two three months, but. Erlen Haaland's another proposition, but I think um, Lopetegui has proven at Sevilla the way he's brought them back up. What a good coach he is! Like take all the politics and the hysteria outside, they're now pretty much entrenched in that top four in Spain. And given Dortmund are still a bit loose, Dortmund are not the Dortmund that we all you know remember of last year and and, and further back. Uh, the tie is well and truly alive um, after that late goal to Luke de Jong. Yeah, both of, both of them, you would say, from the second day, very much alive going into the return legs. Just a quick one on Haaland before we move on. We mentioned it briefly on the post-game show. Where does he go? Because, John, you think he will leave at the end of this season. You think his time is probably done after two seasons or a season and a half at Dortmund. Who's in the running? Who do we think? City, uh, Chelsea will be interested, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Anyone else? And is anyone else realistic, do you think? I think that every club in the world will want him. It's whether they can afford him because it's going to be the one that bids the most. And and he's been very switched on with his moves. So I don't expect he's, him to he's go. Had very good advice from his dad. Yeah, it must be because don't don't expect him to go somewhere where he doesn't believe that he's going. To, I think that he can play well anywhere and in any team in any league. But he'll want to go where he believes the coach is going to actually improve him. He's going to be able to score as many goals as he would like to score. So. Does he go to a Real Madrid? That's that's a 
poison chalice. Mm. You know, there, there's been plenty of mm. players that have gone there and actually failed and not. And Benzema is there as the number nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. So does he fit into that way? Will he fit into a a, a Man City? Uh, you know, where they dominate the whole game and there's not as much space. You know, it, it's interesting because I think Haaland's brilliant when he's got space because he's so quick. But if you're playing in the opposition half all the time, does he get as many chances that he would if he's sometimes playing on the counter attack? Liverpool instead of Firmino? Different sort of player. Lots of room to exploit with them for a three yeah. doors. There's a fair bit. Legionated for Rich. It's a fair bit get determined by where Sancho goes because you've got to think if Dortmund are out of the Champions League next year, uh, the both of them are on their way and no every club that might have thought they were going to go for Sancho might now look at Haaland. So it m- there might be a bit of a, uh, a domino there to see which what happens. All right. One word answer from each of you. Which club do you see Erling Braut Haaland playing for next? Whether it's this year, next, whenever it might be. At some stage, he will move on. Who are we putting our money on? John? Oh, that's a tough one, Rich. And I can't give you a one-word answer on that one. That, that, that's that's tough. Uh, I would like to say that uh, he'll end up in the Premier League somewhere because I, I think that it will be uh, the wrong decision him going to Spain. Messi to Man City, Haaland to Barcelona. Or Bridgie, from your knowledge of the Haalands, can Oli get him to United? No. Well, he supports Leeds, so there's no chance of that. What about Bayern Munich? Bayern Munich tend to get the best players from Germany, uh, regardless. Too expensive. Lewandowski. Uh, yeah, yeah, and too expensive. Uh, Bayern Munich don't want to break the bank on any player. They'll get the best players, but they don't break the bank mm. in, in terms of going to spend over $100 million. He'll go for over $100 million. Well, what, what's interesting is if um, Dortmund had stayed in the top four, made it into the Champions League, he's actually got a release clause of $65 million that goes in 2022. So they would have probably held on to him. And then maybe he would have just gone to buy and they would have triggered it and taken him. But now Dortmund need the money. So they might, you know, be prepared to let that break for the highest bidder now, in which case I think buying her out. And that, ladies and gentlemen, were the one-word answers <laughs> to the question of Erling Brad Harlan, where he goes next. Um, sorry we didn't elaborate on that. But there you go. Um, Erling Brad Harlan, what a player. Who cares where he's playing? Just enjoy him wherever it is. Let's look forward. As we record the podcast now, we're looking forward to some Europa League ties. A heap of them, as always, the barn dance of European football. Uh, looking through them, Arsenal have Benfica. Manchester United have Real Sociedad. Uh, Tottenham against Wolfsburger. That's Wolfsburger, not Wolfsburg, of course. And Leicester away at Slavia Prague. And Michael Bridges has just written a note on a bit of paper saying, ask me about playing in Prague. Prague. Easy place to go, Rich. Scored a couple of goals, did you? Thank Bridget? you, John. Yeah, yeah, I did. For Leeds United, uh, we knocked them out. Yeah, that'll be an easy one for Leicester. Okay, good one. There you go. Uh, Leicester, uh, whether or not they focus on this competition or the league, interesting to see. Of course, Milan and Roma are still involved in this. Uh, so too some big guns, Club Bruges and PSG, but also Rangers, who are doing really well and are miles ahead in Scotland as well. They have a trip to Belgium and Antwerp. You'll be keeping an eye on that one, I'm sure, John. Yeah, I'm not sure about keeping an eye on it. But the game that I'm really interested in is actually Lille and Ajax. I think they're two quality sides. Lille have been superb in in the French Mm -hmm. League and uh, they're actually challenging this year to win the title. And Ajax are are just a great side to watch. So I think whoever gets through that tie could go deep into the competition. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Let's chat Premier League on the weekend too, guys, because there's no rest for pretty much any club involved in any competition at the moment. It is hectic. We saw Manchester City dismantle, particularly in the second half, Everton 3-1 winners on the road, Goodison Park. They've got a 10-point advantage. They look forward to a game against Arsenal, and they've got Kevin De Bruyne back. They've got Bernardo Silva popping up, Mares scoring great goals, Phil Foden scored again. Are there any negatives at all at the moment if you're a Manchester City fan, John? No negatives at all. If you're a, if you're a Man City fan, you're very confident you're going to win the title. You're actually believing you're going to win the Champions League. I think you could actually win. It would, it's not the sextuple because they can't win that, but the quadruple four trophies this year. I think they can do that. And uh, with the side they've got and the bench they've got, yeah, Bridges just put in front of me Stones on the bench, Aguero on the bench, Sevchenko, De Bruyne came back. We forgot about Torres, who was their best player mm. at the beginning of the season, mm. and he hasn't really been seen of late. Uh, Mendy, Fernandinho, they've got the best squad in the competition. It's and, isn't it? And the majority of players are fit now. So I can't see them... Ending this run of, you know, it's going to be hard for them to win every single game coming up, but they will go close to doing it. Enjoy that, Arsenal fans. Uh, sounds like a good time, although they were good, Arsenal, against uh, Leeds, sneaking into the top 10. It's not going to be good enough if you're a Gunners fan, Dave. Uh, good signs, but are they enough to see them push for European places? They've got to find that consistency, especially defensively. Um, obviously, then you had a couple of games before that where they did uh, re- release that pressure. I mean, Wolves, I think, comes to mind as a game where, uh, you know, they, had, they were in, it was in their control and then they ended up losing. But I think now it's just got to be doubling down on the young, the young kids, Smith Rowe, Saka uh, as well. I mean, Odegaard, possibly, possibly not. Um, but then balancing it with, with, you know, Aubameyang, it's a good balance. Smith Rowe, I mean, I think the other day on the, on the Premier League coverage on Optusport, Tony Adams described Smith Rowe as, as Perez, um, Scholes and uh, Burkamp all in the same sentence. So it's a bit of pressure, but he's a good player. I think the future's okay for Arsenal and I think, but I don't know if they're going to get into Europe. I don't know if it's enough. Yeah, it might be a stretch. They are giving quite a few points away, but inconsistent of everybody except City above them, of course, will give them a chance. The other big game, I suppose, if not the biggest, the Merseyside Derby, Bridgie. And last time there was one this season at Goodison Park, it was fairly heated, and Liverpool is still showing the scars because Virgil van Dijk is still out after that challenge from Pickford. Thiago was out and arguably hasn't got right since the challenge from Richarlison you feel like Liverpool might just about be up for this one. They certainly will be. And that'll be in Klopp and his staff's team talk. There is no doubt about it. They'll be reminding the players, and the players will already know, this is what they did to us. They'll he'll point out Van Dijk, he'll point out Thiago, and he'll say, you know, let's go make amend. And I'm not saying he's saying go out and kick people and injure them, but it'll give them that extra little bit of fire to go out there in a derby and say, you know what it is, yeah, we're going to get stuck into use. And the, the positives... For Liverpool, a huge result against RB Leipzig. A clean sheet. Alisson, the goalkeeper, has been under a bit of um, speculation. He's made some mistakes. He was outstanding. And the other goalkeeper, Pickford, who's, for me, he's just making too many calamities and um, I hope he doesn't play for England in the Euros. He was back in again. And I still think he could have got a save. So everything is in favour of Liverpool. And it's at Anfield. And the history suggests that Mm. Everton have got no chance. What was it, 99? Yeah, last time Everton won at Anfield. Good time for both clubs, though. Everton have had an awful week, John. 
they have had an awful week. I think that game against the Spurs really hurt them, the, the 5-4 in the FA Cup, mm-hmm. and it went into extra time, and, and they seem to have run out of legs. And losing to Fulham, also now losing to Man City, you expected that, but uh, this is a good time for them to play Liverpool because it could actually give them that kickstart again and get their confidence back if they do get a good result but it's going to be tough because Liverpool now have got confidence after the Leipzig game. Absolutely. Having a look at some of the other fixtures coming up it all starts on Saturday morning. Wolves at home to Leeds. Two sides pushing for the top half. Southampton hosts Chelsea on Saturday night. Our 90 minute pre-game show underway from 10pm Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Still, Tuchel and Chelsea yet to concede to an opposition player. They've been phenomenal. Burnley and West Brom, your sense, is a big one as well in the early hours. Then it's a Merseyside derby. Fulham and Sheffield United, Dave, round us out overnight Saturday. Fulham could only draw with Burnley. That's not too bad. If they win that, your sense, Newcastle fans in particular, who are sitting fourth from bottom, might be a little bit nervous. They will 100% be nervous. And I think the thing with Fulham is their gradual improvement. Is the run too late? games like today against Burnley where um, you know Burnley are very hard to beat but Fulham did have a chance to take those three points they might rue that kind of opposition not taking three points that's probably where they have to do it this is huge for them because this is going to put pressure right on uh, Newcastle if they can jag this win on Sunday night Bridgie West Ham and Spurs um, how many are West Ham going to win this by how many goals does Thomas Suchek score? You are so disrespectful. <laughs> that Spurs team will galvanise, they'll be back, they'll be fired, they'll be up for this one, and West Ham will probably win 3-1. <laughs> it's a tough one for both sides, uh, though. West Ham, I thought the game against Sheffield United, just on paper, might have been a tough one for them, but they're good against big teams, they're good against every other team as well. They're the finished article almost. When i seen the players in the squad... I always was scratching my head how they don't seem to be able to get the results. Moyes has done an amazing job. I think he's found his confidence again since he got, you know, after his Everton, he went through the Manchester United. I think he got, it It was a hiding to nothing. And he, he just hasn't been able to get himself going. He's been given time here and he's brought in players from a lower league. He's given Bourne an opportunity. He, I just like what he's doing. And West Ham finally are shown the signs of a club that is a big club. Yeah, the only thing for them is they don't really have direct cover for Mikhail Antonio, but everybody else chips in with goals, so it doesn't really seem to matter. Elsewhere, Aston Villa hosts Leicester in the early hours of Monday. Then it's Arsenal, Man City, and Manchester United at home to Newcastle. On Tuesday morning, Brighton hosts Crystal Palace. Those two clubs, those two sets of fans do not like each other one bit. Football doesn't stop, John, because next week we do it all again when it comes to the Champions League. Letty against Chelsea and Lazio at home to Bayern. What's your pick on Wednesday morning Australian time? I'm not giving Lazio too much of a chance of getting through against Bayern Munich, but uh, the Atletico one is a, is a big one because it, the Atletico have been in unbelievable form this season. Suarez has found his mojo again, scoring goals. How did Barcelona not only let him go, they paid him out to go. So it was a strange decision, and he's gone to Atletico, leading goal scorer of the comp, showing that Simeone believes in him. He wanted that love again, and they're going to be hard to stop. On Thursday morning, Atalanta and Real Madrid should be entertaining. Two really interesting clubs to watch. And Mönchengladbach, one of the great stories, I guess, of the knockout stage at home to surely, Dave, the favourites. Are City the favourites now, or is it hard to split between them and Bayern? 
I think it's hard to split. I think it comes down to opinion, but I think City are the favourites. I think they've got the deepest squad, um, all the momentum in the world. Bridgie's waving his hands furiously. What a load of rubbish. They've just done the sex tuplet. Oh, is it the sex tuplet? <laughs> Bayern Munich, they've won everything, and you reckon they are not the favourites? Have a word with yourself, Dave <laughs> Wiener, will you? They drew 3-3 three, three the other day. Oh, so yeah. maybe yeah. maybe there's signs of uh, they're starting to crack Bridgie. If, if the draw guards don't allow it, City Bayern is the final that the others are trying to Upset to get into. Have you ever said the word sex tablet before, Bridging? <laughs> Many a time, Dave. Just ask Kate, my wife. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's leave it there. I think that's a good note to leave it on. We've seen uh, some great knockout football the past couple of days. It doesn't end. The Europa League's coming up. The Premier League never stops. And we're deep in that part of the season where every game in the Champions League means a hell of a lot. Dave Wiener, our sports editor, and our two legends of the game, John Aloisi and Michael Bridges. been an absolute pleasure, gents. We'll catch you on the next edition of the Match Day Gagan Pod. And for you guys listening out there, remember between now and the next one, enjoy your football. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.